Hello, and welcome to show number 2350 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. It's one thing to have a policy, but if it's not leading to improved experiences, if it's not leading to equitable outcomes, then the policy isn't sufficient. And that was today's guest talking about some of the policies at Uber, which we'll be discussing later. Visually impaired people making use of a ride-sharing service may have unique concerns, such as the accessibility of the service, safety, accommodations for a guide dog, etc., We'll talk with Brianna Gilmore and Chris Yoon from Uber about how Uber addresses these concerns through its commitment to providing equal access to movement. But first for our tip of the week. This week, we have two guests, and each one has a helpful tip about using Uber. The first comes from Brianna Gilmore. My favorite feature about using Uber for my personal mobility is the ability to call a ride for somebody else. So when you go to the Uber app and under rides, there's a little button that says where to, and that's where you add in your destination. And if you click on that, there's a few options that come up across the banner on the top. One of them is pick up now, so you can always schedule a ride. And the next option is a little icon that says for me, and there's a drop down menu. And you can actually call a ride for anybody else on your contact list. I've done this for family members. I've done this for friends um, who, uh, you know, maybe they're in a situation where they shouldn't drive. Maybe you want to call a ride for somebody who's leaving a celebration or a healthcare appointment. And I think it's such a nice way to offer support to your people. Maybe you can't be there to pick them up yourself, um, but it's a really nice way to, to be able to share resources across your community. So I encourage people to try that if they never have. And the second comes from Chris Yoon. For users who want to order in food using Uber Eats, um, one way that I like to do to save a little money um, is to actually order the food on Uber Eats and then use the pickup option as opposed to delivery. I know prices are at you know sky high at the moment, but that's a really good way to save some money and still get some great food. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Brianna and Chris and learning about their respective roles at Uber. We have two guests from Uber today. And Brianna, maybe you can start by introducing yourself and telling us what you do at Uber. Sure. Thanks so much for having us, Nancy and Pete. Uh, Chris and I are really excited to be here with you on the Eyes on Success podcast. My name is Brianna Gilmore. I have been at Uber since June of 2022, and I uh, work in our central policy team. So I work on a global level, thinking about all things related to accessibility and also underserved communities broadly. And that's generally been my professional experience. So I have kind of an urban planning background and academic background in, in migration in general. But for the past about 12 years, I've been um, working in the disability community as a policymaker, 
but also as a lived experience advocate across uh, my lived experience communities. Um, I'm a sighted person, um, but I've worked in a couple different physical disability communities. And I also um, have done a lot of work on decarceration and uh, uh, solutions to homelessness in New York and California, and now in my home city in Baltimore, Maryland. So um, I get to work with, uh, yeah, people like Chris and um, across Uber who are really committed to building equity and fairness, which, you know, is not necessarily hasn't always been associated with the Uber brand. And so um, I was definitely one of those people who came onto the role feeling even mystified that a job description like mine existed <laughs> and just feel more and more excited every day to, um, yeah, to work with like-minded people at Uber to build a brand that we can feel proud of to be associated with, with safety and equity, especially for our communities of people with disabilities. Well, that is nice. And you also mentioned Chris, who happens to be our second guest. And I understand Chris is not cited because your Zoom picture showed up with a picture of your guide dog. That's right, Pete. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Chris Yoon. Um, as, as Pete mentioned, I am legally blind and I travel with my seven-year-old Black Lab um, guide dog, Sadie. I also joined Uber pretty recently, July of 2022. It's been um, a little over a year, and, it's, and as Brianna mentioned, um, it's been great kind of working with her and the rest of the folks at Uber to make the platform more um, equitable. Um, I currently work as a product manager on the product equity team, where we're really looking at um, not just accessibility, but um, usability and equity across all of our platform, both um, for drivers, riders, um, eaters, and couriers. And it's been a really great experience kind of getting to know um, such a complicated marketplace uh, and, and a platform that really provides a lot of value to a lot of different users. And it's been really refreshing to kind of uh, get to work on products and, and features that make a meaningful difference to um, everyday users and people of, you know, all communities and all abilities. So really excited to be here and talking about Uber and, and the work that we're doing. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is how Uber addresses unique concerns of patrons with vision loss, such as the accessibility of the service, safety, accommodations for a guide dog, etc., through its commitment to providing equal access to movement. Well, let's get right into it then, Brianna and Chris. Most people are familiar with Uber, but I thought maybe you could give us a quick summary of what Uber is, what it does, and how long it's been around. Yeah, absolutely. So really the simplest way to talk about Uber is technology that coordinates mobility, supply, and demand. So the platform supports the movement of people, of course, but also increasingly of goods through our delivery and our freight businesses. And so our platform also provides the back-end care coordination of transportation and food benefits through like thousands of partnerships with healthcare provider and payer organizations across the U.S. So a lot of people are used to calling an UberX, calling an UberXL when they're going out with friends or headed to the airport. Um, but really, if you can think of the platform as just coordinating all of that supply and demand. Um, it was founded in 2009, and the first trip was taken in San Francisco in 2010. Um, so, you know, 13 years is a long time in startup culture, but 
a pretty short time to building one of the most recognizable brands in the world. Um, and to get to the definition of rideshare, it's really the premise of that coordination. So the ability for a person driving a personal vehicle to share their resource, their car, with someone who doesn't have access in the moment to a personal vehicle to get where they need to go. And uh, we launched delivery in 2015, really based on the same premise that the personal vehicle was an underutilized resource. And if it was on the road, it could be used to optimize movement while also offering opportunities for flexible and independent work for people with that supply. For anybody who doesn't know, Pete's totally blind, but I'm fully sighted. And when I use Uber or another rideshare service, there are all sorts of safety and security features built in. I get a photograph of the driver. I get told what the car looks like, what the license plate is. But for a blind person, none of that really helps. How do you invoke similar safety and security features for blind passengers? That's a great question. I think there's definitely um, work to do to make the experience more inclusive for um, blind travelers using Uber. But I think between a lot of the existing features um, have been able to make the experience feel safe for a lot of our riders. So um, to your point about the the safety toolkit, as well as, you know, being able to see drivers faces and license plate numbers. We also, you know, have drivers names that pop up when uh, you get matched with your driver. And a lot of uh, myself and blind colleagues that I know um, always ask for the driver's name before getting in their vehicles. There's also a feature called safety uh, pin codes where um, in order for drivers to start a ride, you have to give them a pin code they have to enter in the app to just verify that you're in the correct vehicle. And as well as, you know, um, blind riders also like to use the intercom or call functionality to talk to the driver on the phone um, when they get closer to the pickup location to help them kind of find the vehicle and make sure that they're getting into the right car. So it's a Definitely a a challenging problem. And I guess you have these variety of systems. You don't have to use them all. You can pick the one that's most comfortable or most easy for you to use. Yeah, and exactly. And we want to give people the kind of choice to, and, and, um, and Pete, I'm sure, as you know, I think there's a lot of spectrum of being, you know, visually impaired and some people, um, can, um, identify, uh, colors of vehicles where others can't see it all. So I think, yeah, like, as you mentioned, um, it's great that we offer a suite of tools that you, riders can use at their discretion to hopefully make them feel safe when, while they're traveling and making sure that they're going into the right vehicle. Now, this is a service that one generally uses through an app on their smartphone. Can you talk a little bit about the accessibility of these apps for people who are visually impaired? Yeah, so we are always working very hard to make sure both our Android and our iOS um, apps are screen reader compatible. So that's both with uh, VoiceOver on iPhones and TalkBack on Android devices. Um, Recently, we've been working with our design team to make sure all of the app components that we call base components that designers use across all of our apps are consistent and uh, making sure that they are compatible with screen readers out of the box so that when designers and engineering teams build new features with them, you know, we can ensure that any new features and updates are uh, would be compatible with uh, all of our screen reader technologies. 
Uh, we've also recently been working with external vendors to make sure that um, all of our existing uh, experiences are accessible, as well as a lot of our um, product teams and design teams now work with usability testing vendors to make sure all new experiences that they're designing works, you know, is accessible out of the box, um, not only with screeners, but um, in terms of the usability as well and making sure that the user experience is great uh, so that uh, anything new that we ship, uh, we want to make sure that everyone has uh, access to it from day one. Well, that user experience is really important. Yeah, exactly. Our team is very focused around usability, and we've been trying to evangelize that throughout the company as well to change our designing and engineering cultures to really think about um, the end user experience, regardless of what modality that they're using. So one other special issue that arises for blind and visually impaired travelers is the ability to bring their guide dog or for somebody with another disability, their other kind of service animal with them in the car. What is Uber's policy on that? So Uber's policy of non-discrimination extends to all people with disabilities, um, including riders traveling with guide dogs or non-guide dog service animals. Drivers who earn on the Uber platform learn as part of onboarding and are regularly reminded uh, about our policy, which is that they are required to by um, Uber's own policy and by federal law to transport riders with service animals. If a driver refuses to transport a rider because of their service animal, they permanently lose access to earning on the Uber platform. Our investigations into these uh, situations begin when a rider suspects a driver canceled a trip um, due to their service animal and submits information through the app or by phone. We know that this uh, sometimes takes time and can be a frustrating experience, but we also want to um, emphasize to riders that, you know, that we appreciate when they do submit these reports, because it is really, uh, there are these reports that can really help identify these cases for discrimination and for us to be um, able to take action and uphold the law and our policies for our drivers to make sure that you know, Uber is an inclusive platform for everyone. So it sounds like that's a pretty severe consequence for a driver who disobeys the corporate policy and refuses to take a service animal. Yeah, that it is. I thank you for noting that because I, you know, of course, we try to balance our priorities internally. And as much as we focus on riders, we, of course, also focus on our drivers. They're a big part of our community. A lot of them are um, you know, maybe working second jobs. They're there because they want to support their families and they have a lot of information offer to them all the time, a lot of information that they digest during onboarding. And so um, we want to make sure that, of course, we're not deactivating a driver who wasn't aware of the policy. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the onboarding process that you mentioned for drivers and how they get made aware of policy updates. Because I think of Uber drivers as being, you know, mostly independent people and this kind of a loose connection between Uber and the drivers. It's not like a corporation. They bring you in for a meeting and training and stuff like that. How does that all happen? Yeah, that's a great question. So when a driver signs up to uh, earn on the Uber platform, uh, they go through a, kind of a multiple step process. One of the things that we do, of course, is we verify that their car meets certain safety standards. So we have kind of a list of acceptable vehicles and model years. We want to make sure that 
um, the vehicle is going to be comfortable. And so certain vehicles apply. And then the individual themselves goes through a series of background checks to make sure that they've upheld um, you know, safe driving standards and that there's no, uh, you know, kind of outstanding uh, criminal or legal risks associated with the individual. Then they start receiving training materials, you know, everything from just basically how to use the driver app, like how to switch between screens, how to maximize rides, how to understand, you know, how much money they receive per ride. Um, and then we get into all of the policy information about how to uphold Uber's service standards, how to offer equitable rides, uh, what drivers are allowed to do and not to do, and what Uber's expectations are of, of the drivers. And so, of course, that's a ton of information. And that's why it's particularly important to regularly update drivers with policy reminders, particularly when there's really sensitive issues. So and you will send them like a training video or some documentation that they have to read through and acknowledge that they saw? Yep. So they do, we have a great education team. And so there are several different ways that we convey information. And so some of that is through kind of modules that uh, drivers will work through and uh, be quizzed on content. And some of that is through educational videos. Some of that's through uh you know, visuals and text. Um, as I'm, you know, I'm sure you know, we're a global company. Uh, you know, in ten thousand cities, I believe it is, and uh, our drivers um, speak every possible language. They come from every possible educational background, and so um, our teams work uh, very hard at making sure that that education itself is accessible to drivers, um, because the more they know, the better the ride experience is. Wow, you must have a huge team of people just translating all this information. Our translators are exceptional, it's true. <laughs> they are localization teams and they are ever hard at work. <laughs> I never would have thought of that. Yeah, and that was a, it was a big part of our research um, at the outset to try to understand the driver experience as it related to riders who use service animals. We wanted to know this really gets to the line of what is Uber's responsibility and are we sharing all of the information and are drivers really getting it? And so one of the things that we tested was we looked at, um, you know, for example, all of the investigations that Uber had ever done that a rider had submitted about a ride cancellation that was suspected about a service animal. And we were able to cross-reference that with the driver's language. And that way we could determine if there were certain language types that weren't accessing the information sufficiently. And so we were able to find that there were particular breakdowns in communication that we could do a better job um, to make sure that uh, we weren't alienating or isolating any of our drivers who wanted to know that information, but weren't accessing it sufficiently. For people who might have tried Uber years ago, I take it some of these policies have been evolving and things might be different for them. How, how recent are some of these new policies and guidelines? The company has changed a lot. And, uh, you know, to, to think of brand perception and how much it can change over time, but also, you know, how quickly a company can, I think, jeopardize trust in their ridership. Not everybody understands that Uber went through a really significant transformation in 2017 with uh, the introduction of our new CEO. And in between 2017 and 2019, when the company went public, the company really transformed to focus a lot on safety and equity. 
and so there was this, uh, you know, a significant introduction of safety protocols for for women and other user groups. And then in 2020, after um, the murder of George Floyd, and after a lot of companies kind of went through the process of understanding and, and committing publicly um, to equity commitments, Uber really invested in, um, you know, the team that that Chris is on that I'm sure he can speak to more on. Um, really into looking at equity and fairness broadly. And so um, since that time, a focus on riders of people with disabilities um, has really been central. And it doesn't mean that our policies have really changed. Our policies have been pretty consistent. But the way that we approach understanding the way that riders experience the policies and the way that our drivers are executing on them, that has really changed. Because it's one thing to have a policy but if it's not leading to improved experiences, if it's not leading to equitable outcomes, then the policy isn't sufficient. And that's where uh, mine and Chris's work really focuses. So if people may have had an unpleasant experience years ago with Uber, the bottom line is Uber has matured and recognized some of these issues that people are conscious about and they think is important and things might have changed. They might try it again. I hope so. And I, I, you know, I hope that if we were to come back and talk to you two years from now and then four years from now, that we would say the same thing. I, I think we're always looking to evolve, get feedback from the community. I was thinking of a couple other usability features that um, we've even just launched in the past year. Um, you know, I know, Pete, you were mentioning most people know that they can call an Uber on their smartphone. Now people can actually call an Uber. There's a dial a ride. So if if any of your listenership doesn't have smartphones, um, they can call 1-833-USE-UBER. That's 833-873-8237, 4 a.m. to 10 p.m., anywhere that you can call an Uber on your smartphone, um, you can now call through a phone number. And uh, that really just speaks to, I think, what you know, certainly advocates have been asking for that for years. There's so many people who lack smartphone access, be it because of socioeconomic issues, age, you know, lack of trust in technology. There's lots of reasons why we may not have a smartphone. And Uber's really kind of moving in the direction of really trying to integrate um, a lot more feedback from its its user base and growing resources in order to do that. In the news lately, there's been a lot of chatter about autonomous driverless vehicles. And of course, one thinks one application of that would be a driverless rideshare system. What is Uber doing about that? Yeah, it's I, I love seeing it all over the news because I think us at Uber were also curious. You know, this a lot of things happen very quickly. Um, and a lot of these companies are so small, sometimes you don't see their movements until they're widely published. And you know, Uber's involved, we're certainly involved um in conversations with these companies and in developing pilots and partnerships. It's not gonna happen overnight, right? We expect autonomous vehicles to really be an increasingly important part of really the transportation ecosystem. And so that means that Uber has to be involved and explore what that means for us. So we're learning alongside the field really about the scope of AVs. Um, we're learning and building trust with it, the innovators, with the developers of these technologies. And we're also, we're starting to work with community member users, as well as our city policymakers, merchants, couriers, and also earners to really understand new needs and, and use cases. I would imagine that will bring a whole new set of policy and security issues. If you think of a blind person 
getting into the car? Is it the right one? Is it empty? Is there someone in there already who didn't get out from the last ride? And I'm sure you'll be learning a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And as as you probably know, there isn't like a single design. I mean, that's part of the innovation. There's not a single safety standard. There's not a single model that's been standardized across AVs um, for any user group, but certainly not for blind and low vision users. And so, yeah, because of this, one of the standards that Uber will uphold is making sure that we're only par- partnering with AV companies that center usability testing across uh, users in the disability community and really uphold principles of inclusive design. Wow, that's an awful lot of stuff to keep track of. And I'm sure there's a lot of riders who are going to be watching and paying attention. And thank you for thinking about it that hard. There's a lot of issues. Yeah, and we're, I mean, we're excited to continue with our partnerships. Uh, we have some strong partners across the disability community. I know the American Association of People with Disabilities um, has been really central in an organizing group um, and has really worked for almost a decade uh, to lead policy and advocacy in this area. And so we we really turn to their guidance. We really look to them to drive our understanding about accessibility baselines in this area. And so really over the next few years, I'm sure you'll see a lot more information from them and then hopefully incorporated into our design and partnerships, uh, you know, based on their recommendations. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Uber and how to contact them. Well, as we discussed in the main part of the show, these apps for Uber are are available on Android and iPhone devices. But you also mentioned a phone number, which I thought might bear repeating. And then also tell us where people can get more information about Uber. So if you'd like to call an Uber on your phone, you can dial one 833 873-8237. That's 1-833-USE-UBER. That's seven days a week from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. And you'll talk to a live agent to request a ride. Uh, you can also find out more information, certainly, about Uber on our website at, at um, uber.com. And we have several pages dedicated to accessibility. I would also encourage people to get in touch, specifically if they have access needs related to service animals or WAVE. The best way for us to collect information is through um, some distribution email addresses that we created just for this purpose to request feedback from users. And so um, your listeners can write into the email address serviceanimals-group at uber.com. That's no spaces, but a dash serviceanimals-group at uber.com. You can also, if you use a wheelchair and would like to uh, contact us with recommendations or feedback about our wheelchair accessible services, you can write in at wav-group at uber.com. And uh, that's a way for us to coordinate feedback um, across our teams and make sure that we're attending to common issues. Do you have a social media presence? Yeah, your guests can certainly also access um, Uber across social media. We we can be found um, at the handle Uber on um, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, uh, as well as Facebook. And that's an easy way for to get in touch uh, with us because we do have colleagues who work in social media who regularly respond to users um, on our social media pages. 
And in case you missed any of that contact information in the audio portion of the show, you can find it in the show notes associated with this episode, which is episode 2350 at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for today's show. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about Foresight Adventure Guides for the Blind. Foresight provides accessible and affordable outdoor recreation like skiing and snowboarding for individuals with blindness or low vision, promoting fun, safety, and independence. We'll talk with instructor Bill Murphy, board member and participant Kevin Foster, and blind youth skier Claire Schultz about the program and their experiences. So thanks for joining us this week, and hopefully we'll see you on the slopes next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.